Hello, hello. I'm trying to figure this out. Oh. I guess it is what it is. Sorry about that. Um, we're continuing to read from the Angry Book. And um, for those listening on audio, I was trying to button my shirt. But um, it's not going. It's, it's working out. Just want to close it. You don't want to be on here showing chest hair. It's not that kind of video. I ain't reached that level of desperation yet. And they ain't on OnlyFans yet. Yet. <laughs> um, but I do already have a porn name. I'm going to leave it at that. Let's get into the reading. Who? Irene learned something. Oh, man. See, I got to turn up my volumes. 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 There we go. Now, here we go. That's it. Let's get into this reading now. Who? Irene learned something something else, too. She realized that we generally get angry at people who have some meaning for us. This applies especially to people who have the capacity to remind us of ourselves and our problems. These are often people who have the same or similar problems. These are almost also invariably people who know us and whom we know. We are more likely to get angry at people to whom we relate than those we have having nothing to do with. That's not me. I, I'm angry at everybody <laughs> for doing dumb stuff. It doesn't matter. She also learned that an expression of anger to a person really demonstrated caring enough to tell. This means that no one cares enough to want to see remedial action take place so that a relationship can continue and grow. An expression of anger also demonstrates respect for the individual in question. This is so because in expressing anger, one is investing emotion, showing how one feels and saying, in effect, I respect you enough to want to share this part of myself with you. This kind of expression also shows considerable confidence and strength in the relationship. The feeling here is that the relationship is important and strong enough to withstand bumps in the road. It will not come irreparably apart at the first gust of strong feelings. If anything, it will be strengthened as a result of increased understanding between the people involved as well as the increased feelings of reality that always follows clearing of the air. If a relationship is destroyed by a show of anger, then there's an excellent chance that it was a sick, destructive affair. And that all parties are better off for its termination. I think black people in America, we're born, well, I can speak for myself. I was born in bumps in the road. I don't know anything but bumps in the road. And I'm dumped by most people. 
because they don't want to be reminded of more bumps in the road. Because black people don't have this luxury of just, we have a space where we're fine and then we want, we want to bind and then we're bumps in the road. You meet somebody's bumps in the road, it's more bumps, 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 and just tragedy and horror and oppression. <laughs> so that's why we're dumping each other a lot. You see, you see, we dump on each other, leave each other behind. Because all we know is bumps. And if the person's going to bring you more bumps, they got to go. Because you can only take but so much um, horror before you lose your mind. And the system definitely is causing all the horror. Nobody wants to, no black person wants to turn around and go at the system though. They want to reform it. Because they're comfortable in it. Anger doesn't kill. This seems obvious, but it isn't too many people. Anger doesn't kill healthy relationships, and it certainly does not kill people. If anything, denied anger, perverted and twisting, results in the killing of relationships and people too. Many don't make waivers are afraid that anger kills because they think that it kills love. And how can one live without love? The love they speak of is invariably highly neurotic and is, as a matter of fact, impossible to live with. Anger, of course, does not make does make waves and kills the neurotic kind of love. That depends on a show of 100% complete harmony. But this isn't love at all. It is neurotic dependency and only confused with love. Feeling anger and exchanging angry feelings strengthen true love, and are actually life-affirming. I'm reminded of the pushcart section on the Lower East Side of New York and the jewelry stand in the Bowery Exchange in New York. Time and again, I have heard real passionate arguing, bargaining, as well as the exchange of real angry feelings. But I have never seen anyone raise a hand to anyone else. <laughs> This book must have been written a long time ago in a certain. I know some of the men in the Bowery Exchange. And at times they get very competitive and angry with one another. Oh, this is like a shelter. Okay, I see. Well, I was in the shelter before I came here. And there was about three fights. And I was there nine months. Um, In the large shelter, the Bellevue Men's Shelter. Somebody got raped, stabbed, all kinds of stuff was happening in there. And you know somebody got raped because they put up these, they, one day they just start putting these posters up about sexual assaults will not be tolerated. All right. Um, but they are close friends. They help one another and have had solid relationships. Extending over 25 years. By contrast, have you ever thought of controlled, ultra pilot, ultra polite, I'm sorry, ultra polite generals who aren't angry at all, but who quietly order the destruction of whole populations? That's the United States. Um, it isn't anger that kills people. People kill people who are often completely divorced from all their feelings especially warm human ones that one 
that would give them the wherewithal to empathize with their fellows. That's true too. It's, it's not a lot of empathy anymore. It's not a lot of anything anymore. Just disinterest and um, desire fulfillment, I guess I could say. It sucks to be around. I feel so bad for young people today. And I hope that them, they can just drive us into the ground and make a new kind of society for themselves. Because we left them really a hellish situation. Drop dead. When a mother says drop dead to her child, she means drop dead for a little while only. This is another way of saying drop dead for as long as my anger lasts, which is about two seconds. This finite characteristic of anger is so important that I want to stress it under a separate heading. My mother would ne never said that to us. But I know she didn't love. Well, let me put it this way. My mother raised and watch white children. And when I look back at the pictures of them and I think back to what it was like, I know she enjoyed and loved them more than us because it was easier to do. But again, that's that black horror. You love someone black, you're gonna deal with horror. And me as a black boy, as a black man in the crack era, she didn't know what to do with me, feelings wise. Didn't know what I was and I was one of the ones saying, eh, if the if the government's putting crack cocaine in our neighborhood and guns in our neighborhood, why are we selling drugs and shooting each other? I was one of those. So she really didn't know what to do with me. If I had sold drugs, I think my mother would have been dealt with me easier. It would have made more sense to her because that's what everybody else was doing. So it's a weird kind of... Our lives is hell, man. I tell you, when, when Cornel West says you should bow when you see a black person for not stabbing you or hitting you or um, for tolerating what we go through, you should. Now is not forever. Being angry now does not mean being angry forever. If, and this is a big if, if the anger is felt, accepted, and not relegated to the slush fund. Slush fund anger can go on and on and on and on. But this is not true of anger truly experienced as anger. When one feels it for real, the reaction is always finite. It does not last. It passes. It is over with. When a mother says drop dead, of course, she does not mean drop dead at all. She means I'm very angry for this moment because I'm very displeased with you. More often than not, her anger is based on fear, fear that her child will get hurt, Lost, killed, and so on. These very strong words are extremely useful because they serve to express her anger, her angry feelings to herself and to her child. Two, they are indicative of how much she really does care. Three, their strength, the strength of her response, ensures a fast dissipation and end of her angry feelings, which will be replaced by better understanding and expression of much love. I don't know if children can take that back though. I mean, sometimes you hit children like that. I don't know. Drop dead. I'm not sure if I've ever heard a parent say that. Or ever heard of someone who said their parents say that. What's hot in here? Um, let's read this one in short. Forgive and forget. 
A corollary of the finite quality of anger is that ability to forgive and to forget. One cannot forgive and forget with a slush fund on one's back. Anger must be experienced, dissipated, and ended for forgiving and forgetting to take place. Forgiving and forgetting are extremely important to mental health and healthy relationships. Long-standing grudges are extremely corrosive and damaging to the self. They are ultimately accompanied by mild to severe paranoid states and destroy all possibility of fruitful relationships and inability to forgive and forget wrongdoings and personal hurts guarantees a source of perpetual pain and chronic misery. Our push cart peddlers know how to sound off, how to forgive and how to forget and how to go on to conduct business, friendships and life as usual. I have a hard time with this. Um, I have someone who is just a dirtbag, to be honest with you. And um, I don't, I used to have anger like what he's saying, but now I realize the person doesn't care. So it doesn't make sense. So I just, I see them and I speak to them. And kind of in a cordial way. And I go about my business. Because they just. The person is kind of clueless. And doesn't care. And doesn't know much. And doesn't. It's just. There's an emptiness where. His his feelings should be. Or at least a lag. And. To be honest. If he wasn't surrounded by good people. He would be a sociopath. He would be out there killing people or doing something weird. He would be Diddy. <laughs> That's what he would be. So, I mean, but when you have people in your life like that, you have to, like the book says, you have to be angry, show you're angry. Even if you can't speak with the person about it, speak with it on here. Speak with it online. Make a video. Make a meme. Write, write in your journal. Write it out. And then get rid of it and then go on about your business. It's a sad, it's a sad thing. But again, the theme of this, this podcast has been, it's the life that we're in. It's the conditions that we're under, you know, and the United States is going to have a hard time. Even if you ended, even if you ended racism tonight, there's so much residue. That has to be fixed. There's so much backlash. Uh, it, it's just. It's horrible man. It's horrible. The mayor Ross Baraka said he would tell people. Powerful people. When he get in the room. The people who run things. He said he would tell them look. Whatever plan you have. Whatever program you put. And he's the mayor of Newark New Jersey. He said you got to remember. You're dealing with three to four generations of pain. So. You got to factor that into whatever program you try to run. And I think they ignore him too. So, and think, oh, if we run this program, if we run that program, if we do affordable housing, if we do the mental health counseling, if we do blah, 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 but you, but you want us, but you want to wipe the slate clean and go from here. Human beings don't go like that. Like he said, sometimes you have slush. You got to get rid of that anger, the bitterness. You got to get rid of all the insecurity that people have forced onto you. 
by shutting you out of things and making you think it's your fault. You got to get rid of it. All of that stuff's going to have to be dealt with. And no one's interested in dealing with that. Those people who are suffering it, I've seen it up close, are not interested in dealing with it. And the people who created it in this society are not interested with dealing with it. So, like I said, it's a crappy situation. The only hope we have um, is nature. And this whole climate change and floods and hurricanes and tornadoes, that's the only great equalizer. Because human beings in this society are not willing to do what it takes to make the society better, to evolve as human beings or out of humanity into something greater. 99.9% of us are not willing to go there. So the only, the only thing, and we're destroying everything in our way, air, water, land, soil, everything, other creatures, other, you name it. And the only thing that's going to solve it, the only thing that seems to be fixing it is climate change, is the natural world that bring us out of our madness. And, um, so far, it's, I don't want to say it's not working because I think most of us do start, are starting to recognize, okay, we have to do something different. We're not acting on that yet, but we understand something different has to happen. And to be honest, I think most people are really just waiting for a big catastrophe. Um, even though in 2020, we had a big event happen the shutdown, we could have really did something new then. We missed the opportunity. And I think they're waiting for another one. But, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't think it's going to be a, you know what I think is going to happen? I think we're going to wake up one day and realize a big chunk of our population is gone. The elders, the youth, everybody in between. And we're going to say, oh, yeah, we, we really do need to do something. I mean a big chunk, like 30, 40 percent. We're going to go from 320 million to like 200 million or something like that. And it's going to be like, oh, we got to get we got to do we got to do something. Um, That's probably what's going to have to happen. And. Uh, I feel sad saying that, but I'm I'm 52 I know human beings. I know the society. I studied. I do the history. I do the psychology. I do the sociology. And I'm. It's probably what's going to happen. So, and I just hope the young people are mostly the ones left, or more young people, because more young people are dying now. But I want more young people to be around than elderly people, because I have a lot of young people in my family. And I want them to have a chance. Uh, I went on way too long. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Oh, send questions. On Sunday, I'm doing questions. I'm answering questions. So, um, send questions. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And please be safe.